the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The VO Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 81 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. We got a great show today. Our guests are Rob Siglampaglia and Mary Brainerd of Bel Air Creative. And they're going to talk about how to encourage talent to kind of move away from online VO marketplaces and take agency of their own businesses. But before that, we're going to talk about our... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. Okay, so it hasn't been that long since our last episode, so... Uh, I don't know if you have a lot going on, but I have a few cool things going on. Um, so I'll just start since I am already talking and I have diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> one of the reasons a I have, for that. Yeah. But. One of the reasons I have that is because I picked up more and more announcing jobs. It's gotten kind of ridiculous. Um, and I'm happy for it. I'm not complaining. I'm thankful to all the people that are hiring me. But as I mentioned on the show, I started doing sports announcing for the University of Maryland at College Park this year. I did their volleyball season and their wrestling season. And I also got hooked back up with my alma mater, Towson University. And that was just a couple of pickup games for lacrosse to, in the beginning. And then they just brought me in last week to do a gymnastics meet, which I had not done before. I had been their announcer in the early 2000s, but had never done gymnastics. So that was new for me. And a really interesting thing going on there because the way a gymnastics meet goes, at least when there's multiple teams, uh, all the events are going on at once. So this is what's called a quad meet, where there's four different universities at once, and they all go to a different piece of equipment or the floor exercise in a gymnastics uh, auditorium, and it's all going on at the same time. So I kind of forgot about this. I kind of knew it in the back of my head from watching the Olympics, but as an announcer, you have to announce each person starting on each piece of equipment or apparatus as it's going on. So it's like, okay, for the University of Maryland, on bars is so-and-so. Now on floor exercise from George Washington is so-and-so. And from Towson University, on the uneven bars or on the balance beam is this person. So needless to say, first one, I was completely overwhelmed. My head was spinning, and I missed <laughs> yeah. almost every first event. I was like, oh, my God, it's happening right now? Oh, no, I missed everything. <laughs> So I had to kind of settle down, and for the first couple rotations, I just announced the home team, in this case, which was Towson. And it was odd, because Towson was playing Maryland, the two schools I work for. But I decided to stick with the home team and announce those for the first couple of rotations. And then I finally got into it and was able to follow it a little bit more. But, man, was that confusing. Yeah, man, you're giving me nightmares of my old college days trying out color commentary for basketball. I was just like, ah, so far behind the action. Yeah, I did that in <laughs> high school, and it was a similar experience where I was completely lost. And it's, uh, uh, but it sounds like you found your, your footing, and hopefully they hired you back. So, yeah, uh, well, congrats. true to form, um, I didn't get fired somehow. And um, <laughs> they asked me to do a baseball game just yesterday. So I went to, back to Towson University and announced their baseball game against Niagara. And um, I didn't tell them this, but I'd never done a baseball game live before. 
I know the game very well. I was a high school player. I've been coaching youth teams for about 10 years. And I watched the game all the time. And I used to work for a Major League Baseball team in, in the Baltimore Orioles. So I know the game. And I was able to jump right in and do everything I had to do. But technically, it was my first time announcing a professional baseball game. Uh, so I did that yesterday. Maryland asked me to do a baseball game for them last Sunday. Did that. And then I'm doing softball for the first time in a tournament this weekend at Maryland with uh, four different teams there. So, uh, oh, and there's one more. Uh, another local university just found me somehow. I don't even know how. Maybe from some of my Instagram or Facebook posts. I got a message on Facebook Wednesday night of two weeks ago, I think, 12.30 a.m. So technically, I guess, Thursday morning. And somebody said, I work for Stevenson University. We need a volleyball announcer. At first, I was thinking, it's not even volleyball season, but he meant men. I guess the men's season is in the spring. Just found this out by virtue of getting this job. So he asked me to do a university called Stevenson University, which is a Division three program just outside of Baltimore near my house. So I did one of their volleyball games, and I'm doing the next one next Wednesday. So suddenly I'm working for a million different schools, and it's kind of cool because it's it's something I've talked about how much I like doing. I think I mentioned how I missed doing it when we had our, our episode of PA announcers where there was people from all over the country doing various events, college, pros, um, NASCAR. I was at that time sort of retired from announcing and I, I really did miss it. So I'm having a blast getting back into it but at this point almost full time. Well, that's great. I mean, it seems like a good niche for you. Actually, remind me a bit of like John Irwin and remember the Titans, that kind of sound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I just know how interested you are and, and you've, you've kind of dabbled in it over the years. I'm great that it's like actually speeding up with some more work for you. Yeah, and it kind of keeps you young, right? So um, I'm a pretty much an old man at this point. I'm almost 50. <laughs> I just turned 48 and I was in the press box yesterday with the old sports information director from the school who was coming back to help in like a emergency situation he's even older than me i think he's in his 60s and um everyone else around us is 20 or younger or 21 or younger so it keeps you young because you have to keep up with all the the cool songs that they're playing and know who they are you have to keep up with the lingo and uh i mentioned at one point geez we have all the old dinosaurs in the booth today because the two of us <laughs> that have been there for a while stuck out like a sore thumb but it is cool to to get on campus and see the the youths of tomorrow well you talked about it a little bit what's it like or announcing for sports that you're less familiar with like the softball and the or in the gymnastics it takes it takes some research honestly and i hadn't really considered this but wrestling especially i had to do a lot of research to figure out first of all how the scoring went um how you're supposed to announce it when you're supposed to announce it how you figure out what's happening on the mat. So it took me a good two or three matches to really understand it completely. And then I got it down. Gymnastics, I know gymnastics from watching it. I've watched it all my life. My mom's a big Olympics fan. So I've always watched um, the Olympic gymnastics. And then the team at Towson, where I went to school, is very good. They've always been good. So we used to go and watch their meets when I was an undergrad, too. So I do know that one a little bit. Uh, and I don't have to announce m much other than the scoring and who's doing what event. So that one wasn't as hard. But just like any other genre you're working in, it takes research and you have to come prepared. So by the time I'm done, and I feel bad because I'm wasting a lot of paper and killing a lot of trees, but <laughs> by the time I'm done doing any event, I have paper everywhere because I have a lineup. I have changes to the roster. I have pronunciation guides from the media department on how to say everybody's name and the coaches' names. I have their past records and performances. Because often you'll announce 
what's happened in the previous season. So let's say you're doing hockey. You usually announce a goal and then what goal that is for the season. So you say, Smith scores a goal, his fifth of the season, or you'll say his second today, his 17th of the season. So you have to have all the information handy and be able to regurgitate it quickly on the fly as it's happening. So it does take a lot of research. Man, that's nuts. Well, hopefully it keeps on leading on to bigger and better things. Yeah, so that's taking up a lot of my time, as you can tell. Sounds as far like as it. other voiceover stuff, I'm doing some jobs here and there. Nothing that's really that exciting to talk about. Um, except for one thing, it's another first, I guess. I did a full IVR menu for a company, which I've never really mm -hmm. done before. I've done here and there just school closing announcements, like we're closed for the day because of inclement weather, or I've done uh, one greeting for a store and say, hi, you've, you've, reached, you've reached Bob's hardware store. Please leave a message. I've done that. But I did my first whole menu system of an IVR for a store last week. It was for a kosher deli in New York, which was interesting, too, because there's some pronunciation issues I had to work out with some some uh, Hebrew names and words. So I did all that, and that was kind of fun because, like I said, I'd never done it before. So I was doing each prompt all the way through, like six to seven pages of, of prompts I had to do. And I imagine there'll be a repeat client because those things will change as the store hours and departments change. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Two new genres for you. And for those of, like, if you've listened to this many episodes of the podcast, you probably know that IVR is interactive voice response, or, like, it's also called telephony or on-hold messaging. So phone prompts, like, basically. Anytime yeah, exactly. that you get a recorded greeting or an option menu or something like that. And as Paul said, these can be lucrative long-term clients because they often need to make uh, new renditions of their messages, uh, like, quarterly or even more often than that. Yeah, especially for for places that celebrate holidays, like for our, for our Jewish friends, today is Purim that we're recording this on, so happy Purim. Um, so you might do an announcement that says, we're closed on Purim, and then you might do, we're closed on Easter, or we're operating this many hours on Christmas, whatever the occasion may be. Usually get repeat business as those things change. Very cool. Anything else? <laughs> I think that's all the, the news that's fit to print. What's happening in your world? Uh, not too much stuff. It's funny that you talked about keeping you young, because honestly, I feel like I'm 30 going on 60. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, I've been dealing with the dreaded burnout a little bit recently, I think. I, uh, I injured my wrist about a month ago um, trying to play some, some songs on bass that were a little bit beyond my ability, Ooh. apparently. And so um, it's those dang chords when you have to hold down multiple strings. Mm -hmm. my, my wrist, <laughs> I, I've battered my joints a lot over the years, and they did not enjoy that. So, so it's about a month into it, and it's finally like I can do computer work again, but there was a time where it's just, ah, it was frustrating. And then I got, um, and I was sick earlier this week and my cat was sick. So it was just a very stressful time around the house, but I was still, still teaching for, uh, for GVAA and, uh, excuse me, and, uh, a local school in Seattle called Lakewood Institute of Theater. And, um, and I've taught a, a couple classes for this, for this group, um, over the years. And it's really nice cause it's like, it's a it's a local theater school and they have classes for like high school to seniors and people are taking it for different reasons like a lot of them just want to explore voice acting some of it are looking as it is just a hobby to occupy their time or just to improve their acting but all of these students have some level of like uh, of acting experience so and, and it was nuts because it's like there there were some younger students in there, like 13 and 17-year-olds. These are some of the brightest kids I have ever worked with. It was amazing. Like, I, I 
whenever we do this like five week intensive and it's got a pretty similar or like simple formula. We meet, we, we chat, we discuss a genre for 20 minutes and I get them to try and like hammer down some observations. Like for example, commercial is very casual and conversational. Animation is all about exaggerated expression. Video games are all gritty and realistic, things like that. And it was just so like, I mean, I was guiding discussions, but like everyone was hitting on the points that I wanted before without much prompting. So I was like, they're learning. They think they've got it. So that was great. We got a lot of positive feedback on that. And I did the whole thing with the busted wrist. But like afterwards, <laughs> I was just like, I'm exhausted. And so I feel like I've been kind of trying to get my energy back this week, but still been auditioning um, through agents and pay to plays. And I even got uh, like a little... Like, I did a few video game characters for, like, a mobile app game um, that uh, David Rosenthal hired me for. So I thought it was funny that we are just kind of drawing from, like, old contacts and stuff because it's a great way to get... Or, or uh, I, I was just thinking that a lot of my jobs have been from referrals from, like, close contacts and stuff like that. So networking's important, guys. Yeah, never burn a bridge. That's a, yeah. another valuable <laughs> lesson. That's pretty much where I'm at. Just uh, the usual e-learning, that fun new uh, mobile app game, and then yeah, just teaching. So that wraps up our VO meter reference levels. I want to quickly touch on some questionable gear purchases because uh, it appears to have reared its ugly head again. Questionable gear purchase. Um, my epic rant from last time about all the equipment I bought. I don't want to say has backfired yet, but it's getting there. So It's all failed. We lost control of the ship. <laughs> maybe. I talked about how I bought an Antelope audio uh, interface, the, the Zen Go. And then I also bought an Antelope modeling mic. So I don't know which is causing the issues. I'm thinking it's the interface, but it's crashing my computer like almost daily. Yes. It happened when I first got it, and it's causing what's called a kernel panic, if you know what that is. So... It's, I'm waking up basically every morning. Well, first I should say, it, it started when I first got the interface, and I knew it was some sort of misalignment between the software and possibly the driver of the interface because I hadn't added anything else to the computer. So I, up, I upgraded my OS to... What the heck is it now? To Catalina. I was way behind. <laughs> oh, so I, I finally upgraded to Catalina, and it's because I didn't think my computer was upgradable. I have an older model Mac Mini, like from 2012. Mm -hmm. So I, th I thought I was maxed out at, at High Sierra. But I went and clicked on the update, and it said, oh, it's available. So I updated it to Catalina. And that did cure the problem for a couple of weeks ever since the last episode. But just like the last couple of days, it's happening again. I'm waking up every morning to the computer being restarted. And when I put in the username and click enter, it says there was a problem. Your, your computer was restarted because of a problem. Click here to, to figure out why. So I look at it. It's a kernel panic again with the interface. So I don't know what's causing it, and it's driving me crazy. On top of that... It's just kind of buggy in general. Like, it, it freezes all the time. And mm. it'll record, and it'll constantly work as the default sound card for the computer. So if I listen to YouTube, or sorry, watch YouTube or listen to audio, it'll still come through, and the mic will still work. But all the controls, which is why I have the thing, like all the virtual controls freeze up. I can't change the phantom power. I can't turn off any of the mic models. It just gets stuck in whatever state it was last time. And I can't change anything. So 
that, that wouldn't be a problem if I wasn't using the different features, but I am. Like, I usually use a different mic model for the podcast than I do for the audiobook recording. I run a gate in the background sometimes on the audiobook recording just to get out some of the crud that's there when I'm recording for over an hour. But I can't change any of that when the thing freezes. So it's kind of a pain in the butt. And I, I'm thinking about just punting on the whole concept because it's gotten so frustrating. Yeah, and... It, and from what we've heard about like the support it could be weeks before you get it back and it might and since you got such a good deal on it you might not be able to it might just not be worth paying what it would cost to repair it <laughs> yeah i don't think any of us covered under warranty it's a shame because when it works it's it's really cool I and mean, i gushed about it the last episode and i still do really like those features but just yesterday i um my daughter wanted to record something for school for her theater project so she was using the booth and I made sure to change the microphone that was something that would suit her voice better. So I changed it to the, the U87 clone, and that works well for her, but it doesn't work so well for me. And I can I like to being able to do those things. The whole reason I have the, the software and the, the interface to begin with, because it does offer those cool features. But if it's going to crash daily, it's really not worth it. I didn't have any of these problems with my Yamaha interface. It was just there. Every day I turned it on. The mic worked. The interface worked. No problems with the computer. And I think for the most part, it should be that way. Yeah. So thank you for being our guinea pig and reminding us valuable lessons about reliability in our gear. Yeah. So maybe I'll end up buying another Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, buy, Paul goes all out, gets an Apollo and a Townsend Sphere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I would like to simplify things because that's when I'm kind of the happiest when I don't have to mess with stuff. Even though yeah, I know how like to operate you said, all of you it. Said it you sounded awfully happy being able to fiddle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We'll see. I'm going to persevere for a little while. I actually have to finish an audiobook. I started with this piece of equipment. I can't change it. Mm. So once I'm done that, I'll reevaluate re in a week or two. Gotcha. Hopefully it lasts for the audiobook. Sorry yeah. about the troubles. Um, let's see. Well, I'm boring. I haven't really bought anything, although I've really wanted to. It's the problem when you get mics in, in the setup that you're happy with. Um but let's see. I mean, there's always new gear to buy. Like, there's plenty of things I'd like to try out, like some of the new interfaces from Universal Audio or some microphones like the Rode NTG5 and the Austrian Audio OC18. Who knows? I might just bring them in the studio just for the podcast so people can hear the difference and, make it, and help me make a choice on which ones I should keep. But um, one thing I'm really excited about is that Mac, or excuse me, Apple just had their... Uh, their March event where they released a, a whole or a couple of new products and one thing that was really appealing to folks is the new Mac Studio which is kind of like two Mac minis welded together <laughs> like, uh, with a much more powerful M1 Max and the new M1 Ultra chip which is actually two M1 Max chips fused together with hmm. their new Ultra Fusion technique so a lot of people were very reticent about jumping into Apple Silicon and using it for more professional applications. For example, people using like the souped up Intel Mac Mini, for example, or the 27 inch iMac or the iMac Pro or the Mac Pro, those, those higher end uh, models that Mac used to offer. And they were just kind of holding out. They're like, oh, these M1 silicons are great, but they're not as powerful as what I'm used to. So they were holding out for more professional machines. Well, now you've got something with all the ports you could possibly need. It's like the base model has got like two USB-C ports and an SD card up in front, four Thunderbolt slash USB-C ports on the back, two USB-A ports, 10 gigabit internet, um, 
like so many like it's very future proofed and if you're someone who's like who's using a mac mini and you are debating between getting a dock or just upgrading the model i think you'd be much happier with something like this it is pricey like the base one is like two thousand dollars to start wow. but yeah yeah it's a little bit, i was kind of hoping it'd be closer to 1500 but um but you're getting a lot of power for that price and you don't need to make too many additional upgrades like it comes with 32 gigabytes of ram and 512 gigabyte storage to start that's the only area i'd really for the for the majority of people i'd focus on is either bringing that up to one t or two terabytes of internal storage because this is this if this is going to be your desktop for like the next five or seven years trust me like eventually you're going to reach that threshold of storage one other thing that was cool about, or really excited about at first, was like the new M1 iPad Air. Now, first off, iPads are totally a luxury and not a necessity for a VO studio, but they can be useful for script reading, for making notes, um, lots of different things like that. But the iPad Air is kind of in this weird position where it's like, for just a little bit more, you can get the iPad Pro with a lot of quality of life features. And honestly, the base that it starts at, it's like $600 for 64 gigabytes of storage. That is not enough in, in 2022, in my opinion. To be honest, I don't think 128 is enough. So if you're looking at these devices, I'd really recommend at least 256. And depending on what your budget is, you might be satisfied with just the base iPad model. They're all pretty dang good right now. So if that's one area that you're looking to be more budget-minded that's what i'd suggest but anyways so really excited about the mac studio i'm probably going to pick up a 32 gigabyte one terabyte version at some point because i love my m1 mac mini but it was kind of like i bought less than i thought i would need because i was curious i wanted to experiment and if you don't know this but you can actually get a higher return on your trade-in if you go with the base model you tend to lose a lot more of the value if um, the more upgrades like storage and, and RAM and stuff like that, because most people don't want to spend that money. But anyways, mm -hmm. sorry, getting over caffeinated and excited about gear. So, <laughs> so I haven't bit the bullet yet, but I will soon. I just want to wait for a few more reviews to trickle in. I also don't want to upgrade my operating system to Monterey until I'm sure that Source Connect, their queue manager works and, and everyone else is happy with it. So again, um, as exciting as these new developments are, I'd wait for a few more reviews to trickle in. And if you can't spend two grand on a device like the, the Mac Mini, the MacBook Air, they're incredible devices. I've used them both for the last two years and they are definitely great for the majority of voice talent in a personal studio. I just like to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, one thing I want to note about storage on the iPad, I actually use an iPad that only has 128 gigabytes in the studio to read off of. And I'm looking at the storage now. I've only used 18.8 .8 gigabytes. So That's awesome. So how long have you had that one? So I've had about a year. I don't really use it for anything, though, other than reading scripts. Like, I, I don't want it to have anything else on it because it'll it'll get bogged down and then it'll distract me. So I have all notifications turned off. I don't have any files downloaded onto it. The only thing I do is when I get a script, I'll email it to myself and read it from here. And that's then oftentimes great. I'll delete it when I'm done. So that's why there's nothing on here at all. So thank you for playing Devil's Advocate. I will say you can get by with that little story, especially if the majority of your, uh, if you if you take advantage of cloud services like iCloud and Dropbox or whatever. Um, or you just don't so put anything on it. Like I have literally exactly, no pictures, exactly. no contacts. 
That's my problem though, is that it's like I've got it connected to my iCloud account and I do take pictures and little videos that I send to my fiance on it pretty often. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and then I've had this for years, so it's kind of like transferred my previous audio files. I used to use it a lot for uh, before I got a quiet computer as a way to record silently. So I'd actually like, I'd use the script on, or I'd use it as a script reader, but I'd also have my interface connected to it as well. Um, and so it's like, it's a little risky because the only indicator that you got that you're recording is just a little red flashing banner at the top. So sometimes you might want to check if you're overmodulating and stuff like that. But at the time, being in super humid Nagasaki when it would just make my uh, my MacBook Pro fan go off like a jet engine, it was a quiet solution until I was able to upgrade my laptop. So that wraps up this episode's questionable gear purchase. We'll get to our interview with Rob and Mary in a minute, but before that, some words from our sponsors. Walgreens, because it's flu season, you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? Prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Hey, everyone. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Our professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recordings to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Okay, everybody, welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. We're pleased to welcome Rob Sigampaglia and Mary Brainerd from Bel Air Creative. Robert has appeared on national television many times. He is best known as the dad on the 2012 Chevy Super Bowl commercial, Happy Grad. Robert's very first venture into the acting field was a show called American Experience Hijacked, which aired nationally on PBS TV and was narrated by Campbell Scott. Since that time, he has appeared in numerous national projects with many big-name stars. 
Robert has done on-camera or voiceovers for many recognizable brand names. Perhaps his most prominent VO project to date was as the director of the sessions for Bixby, the voice of the Samsung Galaxy phones and products. Robert is also the author of the book Voice Over Legal, which hit number one on the Amazon bestseller list for entertainment law books. Recently, Robert has taken on the roles of production attorney, producer, and executive producer for several projects as well. And he started a full-fledged production company called Bel Air Productions, LLC. As far as Robert's personal background, he was born in Stanford, Connecticut, and one of three brothers. Robert graduated from Stanford Catholic High School in 1984. After attending Eckerd College in St. Petersburg, Florida on a baseball scholarship, an injury forced him to transfer to the University of Connecticut, where he graduated in 1988 with a Bachelor of Arts degree majoring in political science. Robert then graduated from Pace University School of Law in 1991. He passed the Connecticut, New York, and Pennsylvania bar exams on his first attempt and was admitted to the Connecticut bar in 1991. He is currently a practicing attorney as well as an actor and accomplished voiceover artist. Robert hosted a local radio program back in the mid-90s called The Law Show and more recently hosted a radio show called Ask the Lawyer. Mary Brainerd is a direct response copywriter and marketing consultant who works with six, seven, and eight-figure companies. She specializes in helping high-ticket coaches, consultants, and personal brands create engaging content that resonates with their customers, resulting in more trust, more traffic, and more leads. In addition, she's a partner in Bel Air Creative, a marketing agency specializing in video-based client acquisition funnels, helping voiceover artists and coaches get more clients. Mary Brainerd is a direct response copywriter and marketing consultant who works with six, seven, and eight-figure companies. She specializes in helping high-ticket coaches, consultants, and personal brands create engaging content that resonates with their customers, resulting in more trust, more traffic, and more leads. In addition, she's a partner in Bel Air Creative, a marketing agency specializing in video-based client acquisition funnels, helping voiceover artists and coaches get more clients. Well, thanks again to the both of you for being here. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Our first question is for Rob. You're an actor, a producer, a lawyer, and now starting a marketing company. How do you manage it all, and what is your favorite company or aspect of the company to work on, if there is one? <laughs> yeah, my wife asked me the same question. Just, Why do you do all these things? <laughs> so I, I look at it like if one thing leads to the next thing. They're all related. So I don't, you know... Like I don't try to open up a pizza parlor or anything like that, something because that's outside my knowledge. <laughs> but all these other things are, they're all related. So managing the time—that's another question, and that's what I do. Is I just kind of prioritize things to manage the time. I hire VAs when necessary, or other get other assistance when necessary. Managing the time is something I've been doing, you know, since I started acting. So. Even if you have to leave something till the next day, it gets done. That, that's kind of what I told, tell myself and what, what I do. So my priority is going to be obviously what uh, needs to be done at that moment and what's going to make the bring in the most money. So sometimes I'll have to turn things, some jobs down in, in one of the other, you know, one of the other areas if I, you know, I, if I can't fit it in or if I can't get someone to help me do it. That's one of the ways I juggle things. And what's my favorite? I like all of it. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't do any all of it. I love acting. I love doing voiceovers. I love producing. The other thing is I can now lawyer where I want to. That helps a lot, too. I don't have to... A lot of lawyers take cases to pay their bills. 
not that they necessarily want to take the case. So I'm, I'm at least I'm fortunate enough where I don't have to do that. I can be selective with my cases. So that helps with the time management. Um, and the marketing company, I, you know, I, 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 this, it's a great new startup that I love doing. Again, it's, it's things that I've done in my other businesses that I'm taking over now and, and showing other people how to do these things marketing wise. So I, it's, it's all interrelated and it's all some stuff that I love. So you view them as sort of a national, national, natural extension of what you already do. Exactly. Yeah, I've learned, I've got knowledge of, of you know, one, well, it started being a lawyer, and then I picked up knowledge of uh, the acting business as a lawyer, and then I went, I, you know, picked up and took a lot of classes to learn craft of acting. So then I knew business side, and I knew production, so that's how I became a producer. And now we're I'm moving over into marketing because all the, you know any business you go into you need to be able to bring clients in or you're not gonna, you're not going to survive. So they they are all interrelated for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not unlike what Sean and I did. We started out doing just voice acting and then we started a podcast and that's been going okay. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> and sure. and Sean's doing teaching and I'm doing producing and editing. So they're all just relatable skills. I think that's great. Right. Exactly. So most of our audience probably knows you as the lawyer to the VO stars, uh, so to speak. What do you think is the biggest legal issue affecting voiceover today? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I necessarily call it the biggest, but the one that most voiceover artists are aware of the most these days are artificial intelligence, um, AI, text to speech. That's the one that um, I'm getting the most questions about. I mean that that is a potential issue for voiceover because. If uh, a talent is not careful with how they're making sure that their files are being used as they send them in, they may, the recordings may be used in the future for text-to-speech or artificial intelligence. So that's something a voiceover artist needs to be aware of now. And there is a lot of legislation that is uh, being proposed in pretty much every state and federal at the federal level to uh, protect not just voiceover artists, but everybody from, from their voice print. So that, that, that's, I would say that's the most prevalent legal issue today. Do you think other, everybody should be concerned or do you think it's more being cautious and, and being prepared for what's to come? Everyone should be concerned. Um, it's not just people that are doing AI jobs because when people are doing AI jobs, so they're being hired to do a text to to uh, speech or artificial intelligence voice. First of all, there's there's different types of jobs. You know, there's different camps. So some of those companies will want you to record a bunch of uh, sentences or a bunch of lines, and then they're going to keep everything on the on the back end. They're going to take have ownership of the, the recordings. They're going to have ownership of the synthetic voice that it creates. They're going to be able to sell those files to third parties and you lose complete control. Other of the companies are letting the voice talent have more control, so they'll be they'll keep um, ownership of their synthetic voices, um, and they'll get paid some kind of residual for usage of their vo- the synthetic voice, their cloned voice. But then there's technology, which, is, which scares me, that you can, somebody that you don't have to get hired to do a, an artificial intelligence job or a text-to-speech job. Because when you get hired, at least you can create a contract. The technology exists where your podcast right here is at is at risk, because the technology exists where someone can just go 
onto this podcast, download your, your voice bread, download your files, and then they can create a synthetic voice with that. So that's what's concerning to me is when I send in an audition or when I send in a job that it's not going to go beyond that point. It's not going to be used for a bank to use, make a synthetic voice of me. So that, that's, that's the concerning part. Yeah. A recent pop culture reference was, um, the, the Boba Fett show. I don't know if you saw that, but they, they actually admitted that they, they created a voice for, for Luke Skywalker using all old recordings of Mark Hamill, including some audiobooks he did. Now, he signed off on it in this case, but he never actually came into a studio to create a voice for an entire episode of a show. And that, that scared me when I heard that. Right. Yeah, and they did that with um, Val Kilmer's voice. They took us all his old films, and now he's, his, you know, because he had his uh, throat cancer, so mm-hmm. he can't speak. So they took all his old films and, and built an AI voice for him of his actual voice based on past recordings. There was a documentary too. What was the documentary that where that happened? Where the, uh, Oh, for Anthony Bourdain. They did that. Yes. Too. At the, yes, exactly. Anthony Bourdain where they took, uh, they, they pieced his voice together too. So that's the technology that we, you know, and that this is kind of, it's really just the beginning of the, of the, the technology. So as things, as it progresses and it gets, it gets better, it's more concerning for everybody. So, yeah, I would agree. So what are some things people can do now to protect themselves? You just really have to make sure that in your contracts you uh, you state the usage that's going to be, you know, if they're going to take um, copyright, which most, uh, a lot of voiceover clients take copyright ownership of the, the files, you just have to make sure that you spell out that they're not going to use it anywhere else except for, you know, whatever you, whatever, whatever you agree to as far as use, usage goes. So that you can have some kind of uh, remedy to go into court if something happened. That's really all you can do at this point until legislation is uh, – or lobby your legislature because, like I said, there's legislation that's being introduced at the federal level and at um, every single state to uh, not only protect voiceover artists. But you know, think about it too. You know, if somebody can take your voice print, they can go to your bank and you know, get into your account potentially. So there's a lot of things that can happen that are bad that the uh, the government is trying to protect. So you know, even speak out at the at the local level, take your voice and and show it to the school board. There's there's a deep fake I saw recently, I think it was on Extra, where some parent took a fake video of a daughter vaping and her daughter's friend vaping and took it to the school board and said, This is my daughter's friend. She needs to be kicked off the cheerleading squad. And it turned out it was a complete deep fake where none of that happened and the woman had created it off of a cell phone recording. There you go. I mean, there's that's all that stuff can, yeah. I mean, those are all the kind of things that can happen. Um, you know, just on social media too. Like, think about it. You, if someone wanted to, if someone, someone wanted to make a uh, politician, well, I guess politicians look bad anyway, but <laughs> if you wanted to make a politician look bad, say something they never said, they could easily paste something together from all, you know, all the, the recordings that exist out there and, you know, make them sound bad, but they could do it to the ordinary citizen as well. So make you look like, uh, you know, that you're discriminatory or, you know, racist or whatever, whatever they want to do. So it's scary. Yeah, thankfully in America, uh, you can apparently can say whatever you want, good or bad, and nobody really cares anymore based on <laughs> the political climate the last couple of years. Sure, no one cares. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, Anyway, moving on. 
So aside from AI, what are some other ways voice actors get themselves in trouble with regard to legal issues? And maybe ways you've helped some voice actors without naming names. There's lots of ways that uh, voice actors get in trouble. You know, they get in trouble tax with taxes. They get in trouble with um, violating NDAs, uh, non-disclosure agreements. They'll post things up on social media that violates NDAs, gets their clients upset. They'll uh, they won't finish jobs on time. You know that that's another way they get themselves in trouble. I mean, there's pretty much any way another any business will get themselves in trouble. Voiceover artists can get themselves and have gotten themselves in trouble that way as well. They can get in trouble with their agencies if their contract says that their agent's entitled to all their fees and they're not paying their fees to them. That you know that could be um, a dispute that comes up. So there there's there's many ways that you you wouldn't think of right away that uh, where voice actors can get into trouble and do get into trouble so what about just ways to hurt their business like i can think of one that you helped me with i've talked about on the show where i had my voice show up on a network television show that i was not aware was happening and i went back and looked at the contract i signed and it was the first couple of months of my career and i signed away all my rights but what are some other ways that people can damage their careers by not paying attention legally yeah i mean that well that happens a lot so your situation is very common, unfortunately. I see a lot of um, voice actors that do a gig that's supposed to just be on the the internet, and it ends up being on national TV. Yep. So, you know, the usage issues is something that's very important. I'm glad you raised it because that that's you know that's uh, that's right underneath AI. I would say <laughs> that's something that voiceover artists need to be concerned about is how their recording is going to be used. They need to be very, very, very cognizant about how their recordings are going to be used. So it goes along with AI because you don't want them to take it and use it for an AI project. But you just don't want them to use it on national TV or someplace, you know, or in a you know a Siri type of voice mm-hmm. on the iPhone. You don't want them to use it anywhere that that uh, it's not authorized. So making sure that's spelled out in the contract is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for helping with that because, like I said, it was the first couple of months of my career, literally, and I was an idiot. And I appreciate your input, at least telling me that uh, I didn't have a leg to stand on, but I didn't waste any time trying to sue the big network executives. And it was very helpful. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, well, if you sign your rights away in perpetuity, if you give away the copyright and sign your rights in perpetuity, then that's that's where you get into that situation where they can do whatever they want with, with the file. And that's what you want to avoid. So. Yeah, so word to the wise voice actors out there. So I appreciate you talking about some of the legal things that are going on in the VO world because I know our listeners are really interested in that. But poor Mary has been here just holding her tongue all this time, and I'd love to talk more about one of the reasons you're here to talk about Bel Air Creative. So Bel Air Creative is a new company you created. Tell us a little bit about it and how it came about and why. Well, I guess it, it was kind of my dad's idea, so he might be better to talk about it. I can give you the why, so that's for sure. Um, yeah, Mary um, has been doing copywriting and marketing for the past five years, and uh, I have my production company that's been doing TV and film. And I went to her and I said that I, you know, I wanted to start doing more with the production company for commercials. And she said, uh, "Dad, you know, I, I hire production companies and videographers all the time for my social media campaigns that I do." And I was like what are you talking about? <laughs> so, so she explained to me, you know, how, how she uses video video and 
uh, videographers in in funnels. And so that was kind of I said, wait a minute, we well not just funnels, but she uh, does social media campaigns using video, so kind of like commercials on social media. So I said, hey, <laughs> let's start a, let's start a business. Uh, and then a, the other side of the other more personal side about it is I was I was I wanted I asked each one of my daughters they were going to become lawyers so I can give them the law business but I wanted to retire and each one of them said no <laughs> resoundingly <laughs> so so I said okay well this is the next best thing we'll start up a business so that uh, you know you could you could have we could start it up you could have it after I retire so that was a more selfish reason to do it but. Uh, so that's how Bel Air Creative was born because of Mary's marketing expertise and because of my production business. Okay. And now that it's started, what are you hoping to accomplish with Bel Air Creative? Um, well, I just want to help people with their marketing because honestly, I could talk about marketing all day long and it's just something I'm really passionate about and I really love learning about it and not a lot of people understand it. So I just want to help people get more clients and... Uh, make the money that they want to make and live the life that they want to, that they dream of living. I thought that voiceover artists would be perfect to help market because many voiceover artists, once they get their demo done and get their studio set up, run to the pay to plays and think that that's the way to start a business. And I, I mean, it is one area that you could use to get jobs, but I think that voiceover artists should direct market more like a like a regular traditional business so one of the reasons why i wanted to market to voiceover artists was because of the their lack of marketing and this company we can help mary and i help a voiceover artist learn how to market and that's that's another that we're hoping to accomplish that to get uh, you know some kind of headway in the into the business where they you know they're, they're not so scared of marketing okay well you talked about one possible mistake voice actors make what would you going to the, the online casting sites to possibly look for jobs what do you think is the biggest mistake new voiceovers specifically make with regard to marketing i don't think they market uh, that i think that's the biggest mistake is they they don't they don't know where to find jobs so they uh they'll go to the pay to plays and or they'll try to find an agent say i need an agent you know then and, and they're, they're not they're not looking at it as a business, but they're looking at it more as a traditional actor where I need an agent and I need to, I need someplace where I can audition. And I think that's, that's the worst way to build any, you know, any business voiceover included, because if you're auditioning, then you're putting in a layer of luck in, in there where someone has to pick you. You have to pick your audition over other, over your competitors. And that makes it, much harder than talking directly to the client, selling yourself to the client, in my opinion. I mean, there are some people that can thrive at auditioning, and that's great. But I'm, even even those people that thrive on auditioning can, um, you know, and I'm not saying give up on auditioning completely, because obviously there's, you know, you, it stay, helps you stay on top of your craft. But marketing directly, is, I think, is going to lead to a much better return on investment because you're making contacts directly with people that that need your services, you know, like any other business, really. So I, I think them not marketing at all is the biggest mistake that they make. So you touched on this a bit, but I'm curious. Do you think 
every voiceover actor should be marketing? Or do you think there are those that can subsist just on the auditions they get from either their agent or casting sites? There's a very small, in my, from my experience and from my observation, there's a very small percentage of voice artists or actors that can sustain a career enough through just auditioning. So there are times, you know, it kind of, it kind of ebbs and flows and, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of getting on a hot streak with auditioning, you know, and it's hard to stay on a hot streak auditioning where if you're direct marketing, then, um, it's easier, I believe to get clients that are going to come and use you and build a better foundation for the business. So, I mean, everyone's different. So I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying that you should never audition uh, or never try to get an agent. I'm just saying that if you're, if you're going to, if you direct market, then you're going to have a better chance, I believe, to get clients that are going to, you know, use you for all their, all their needs. And, uh, you know, if you get a couple of those clients that are going to feed you um, directly constantly, that's how you, that's how you build your business. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you will audition from a direct marketing contact. You may reach out to a company and they may say, that's great, but we want to hear you read our script. It still may happen. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Yep. So, Mary, you said you can talk about marketing all day. I want to know what sets Bel Air Creative apart from other marketing firms or PR firms or even, uh, Rob, you can chime in with how it might separate from managers or agents who offer similar services. Yeah, I think um, we're different because... Uh, like my background in marketing and then my dad's background in the voiceover world, we have like unique experiences in both. And then coming together to create this marketing agency, I think that's what kind of sets us apart because we understand both sides of it, whereas other companies might not. Rob, anything to add on that? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we, uh, we're kind of like a one-stop shop, so... If someone came to us and said uh, they wanted us to, to do a marketing campaign and they wanted us to do the, the you know the, produce everything, so they came to us and said you know we want to do a social media uh, blitz and we want you to do uh, commercials that go on social media or even on TV, we'd be able to do it because of you know Mary's copywriting abilities, uh, her marketing knowledge, and we've got the production side covered as well. So that's what sets us apart is, you know, we're, we're, we're really a semi, uh, a semi advertising agency. You know, I've been around in the voiceover business a while. So that, that's why, that's why we're talking about voiceover artists right now, because I have very, I have knowledge of the voiceover business so I can help with those specific needs that voiceover artists have and actors. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about specifics. Tell us or walk us through the process a bit. When someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to work with you on some of my campaigns, what are they going to receive? So when we get, like if someone comes to us, obviously they're going to have unique uh, goals and needs. So we, we have like an onboarding form that they fill out. Basically just it lets us know what they want to accomplish with their marketing. So some people, they might... They might want to do audition auditions still, and they may only need like a video that they want to place in a Facebook group that they own already, or something like that. Then they would just need videos from us. So we would like we would 
work with them and script videos and produce the videos for them and then they're all set but someone else they might come to us and they need a complete funnel they want us to do the follow-ups with them they want us to record and produce the videos and script to script the videos too so we would do like almost the whole thing for them so it just it, it really depends on like their needs and their goals and like how we fit into that yeah, it depends on how broad they want to be really i mean or how specific they want to be so if someone comes into us and says for instance that they want to uh they want to do uh commercials for restaurants or they want to voice commercials for restaurants we have this new um funnel system that we created they do a video so that the potential restaurant restaurateurs can hear their voice and see them and start to build a relationship of trust with them through the video and uh, click on the video and to get more information and to talk to them further and you know if they're we're going to build the whole campaign that's great or they just want to do the voice that's great but they can do a whole bunch of different groups but i mean i, I would they, if they're concentrating on restaurants for instance you know they can get in front of a whole bunch of restaurant owners so that they can get hired as a voice talent or to group to produce commercials or you know many different things to make to make revenue so if that's the goal to be very broad like that then i would say that uh, doing a video funnel would be the best way to go which is our new our new product that we're promoting now or if they were they're just looking to uh, supplement what they're already doing and be very very specific and they want to do just a video for their website or something like that you know that's that can be done as well so every client's different okay great what kinds of results are you seeing from clients that have that have worked with you so far um or maybe just some anecdotes about how somebody was successful yeah i mean we, we we've signed up a handful of clients so far we just started this at the beginning of the year um we have a lot of demand so far um and we're in various stages of this with different different clients, various stages where, you know, we're in the inputting stage, we're in the the stage where we're posting on social media organically, and we're just starting to get the funnels rolling. The clients, are, they're getting a lot of calls coming in, they're getting a lot of clients coming in. So it's... Uh, it's pretty it's very encouraging and that's the reason why we're we're putting the pedal to the metal getting all our systems together mary and i so that we can try to get more people in so that we can help more people because that you know that the the hard, toughest part on mary and i right now is like you we talked about at the top of the show is you know us fighting time to get as many clients as we can service so do you plan to expand and if so how and when? What are the plans for the future of Bel Air Creative? We we do plan to expand. We do. Um, we're already in the process of looking for virtual assistants to help us out. Um, we're probably going to get some a sales staff pretty soon. So we're uh, it's going well. This is this seems to be a way that uh, voice talent can can absolutely increase their business and get clients directly. Because there, there, we found that there's a lot of demand for um, these types of services, production, voice talent, acting. There's a lot of demand out there. And people just as uh, uh, where people, voice artists don't know where to go to, to get those clients. The clients also don't know where to go to get the voice talent. That's what I've been seeing. So it kind of educates the public while it's educating the, the talent at the same time. So... 
you know, and that that's the reason why the pay to plays exist, I believe, is because people that are looking for voices don't really know where to go to hire them, so they'll they'll post a job up on you know one of the pay to plays, and that's you know that that's I don't necessarily believe that every single one of those jobs that are up there they're looking um, to do auditions to compare voices. I think a lot of a lot of those jobs they just don't know where to go and they want to hand it off to somebody, so the voice talent can do that themselves. They can be the ones that the uh, clients hand off the, the jobs to. So, and Hopefully you can help make those matches for people, companies, and, and creatives. Absolutely. Well, some schmuck named Paul Stefano signed up, and I'm very excited to see where this goes. <laughs> uh, but before we, uh, we sign off, where can people find out more about the company? And if you want to promote yourselves personally, please do that as well. We have a website, bellacreative.co that you can go to I think also bellacreativellc.com if you yep. go there you'll find us too if people want to reach out to me they can contact me at mary at bellacreative.co if they have any questions on marketing related things uh, I'm also a copywriter um, I work with all different types of clients from coaches to consultants uh, companies all types of businesses, six, seven, eight-figure businesses. If you're looking for any marketing or copywriting help, I can definitely help in that area as well. As you mentioned, I'm a lawyer, so uh, if you want, if anyone has any legal needs in the voiceover business or the acting business, or I do other areas as well, um, feel free to reach out. Easiest way to probably get me is um, through my legal site, um, R O B S C I G E S Q. Dot com, And if anyone has any films or TV projects out there that uh, they're looking to get produced, um, my company's name is Bel Air Productions, and that's where Bel Air Creative came from, a little subsidy. I mean, it's a separate company, but because of my production company, Bel Air Productions, so feel free to reach out for that as well. All right, Rob, Mary, thanks for joining us here on the VO Meter, and I look forward to speaking with you more soon. Thank you. Thank you. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. And we're back. First off, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Rob and Mary of Bel Air Creative for coming on the podcast and sharing your new service. And Rob, thank you for scaring us more about AI, or at least enlightening <laughs> us on what we can do to protect ourselves, because I think that's going to be very important, uh, if not later, then sooner. Sooner than later? Very soon. It's going to be important to everybody very soon, as we talked about. So thanks yes, again for coming Put the fear out. of Rob in you. <laughs> right. So that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. 
Coming up, we're efforting a roundtable with some of the online casting sites or pay-to-plays we talked about in the last episode. So we'll have more news on that coming soon. But until then, you'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter.